Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. How can today's book lover decide what to read? With a vast array of choices, what to choose? Professor Jim Flynn is a world-renowned expert on intelligence and IQ and believes that reading gives you a deeper understanding of the world. He scoured the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. You'll be surprised, delighted, you'll be outraged. But that's the magic of a book list. I'm Wallace Chapman, and in this 10-part series, I go in search of the best modern authors with Jim Flynn. Welcome to the new Torchlight List. This episode, we are taking in the authors and books of South America, beginning with a rather famous author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, started as a journalist. He wrote many acclaimed non-fiction works, but is best known for his novels. Uh, Jim, are you a fan of this writer Marquez? Yes, I am a fan of his. You'll note that before I discuss him, in the book, I give a background of Colombia, because I do this every now and then. You know, when you get to a country like Libya, I think the average reader doesn't know much about their history. Or when we get to Morocco, I give a background of history or a background of the history of the Middle East. And I felt that you could only appreciate some of his novels if you knew what an incredible history Columbia has had. Well, it was actually very helpful because it was a potted history in, uh, in a couple of paragraphs. Give us a little history then. Well, what it is, ever since 1830, when Columbia became independent, there has been this insane vendetta between the liberals and the conservatives, which has resulted in wars. I mean, they didn't just compete at the polls. Around the turn of the century, the 100,000 people died. And about the mid-50s, 300,000 died. And in between, there were assassinations, you know, assassination after assassination. There were 200 assassinations in a 20-year period. And one of his novels is a wonderful novel. It's called An Evil Hour. And it's about a man who thinks, maybe I can solve this. And he's a liberal mayor in a village. And he says to his boys, you know, go easy. Let's see if we can make friends. And lo and behold, some fool at a police station beats someone up and alienates all the conservatives. There's a wonderful image of what Columbia has become. A discussion of a fight between maverick dogs, the hulls, the bared teeth, the crippled dogs. And this, of course, is an image of Columbia. And he has a terrible abscess, but the only dentist in town is a conservative. And he has to go to him at pistol point and say, would you fix my teeth? 
and the conservative drains the abscess. And then he says, I may come back to you, you know, for more help. And the conservative says, nothing would please me more than that you would die in my dentist chair. And the guy actually goes off then to join the gorillas. So you need that background, but it's a wonderful portrait of that particular town and the whole ethos of what Columbia is all about. Now, some of his other books I liked. I didn't like quite as well. Uh, well, the one that I love, can I just jump in? Sure. Is it fair to say, Jim, that the Latin Americans do passion uh, as well or better than any other country in the world? I think so. If you only have to read Love in the Time of Cholera. Now, I only read that last year, and it was a beautiful love story. Yes, but there are also wonderful things in it about their passion for other than love. Do you mm. remember how the guy falls out with his wife, namely whether there's soap in the soap dish? Mm. That is, when he showers, he finds there isn't soap, and he comes out and he says to her, you didn't have the soap in the soap dish. And she says, I did. And they're estranged by this. The, the fight is so passionate, they separate, though they eventually get back together. But the discussion of courtship there, I mean, since women were not fully exposed to the public, you have people who see a woman on a balcony, and they become madly in love with her. And she flirts with them by appearing on the balcony every now and then, and then they sing to her. And the passion becomes so intense that it governs their entire lives. And it, oh, okay, I'm just thinking about it right now. I might have to reread it. Yes, uh, Jim, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful book, and I can actually recommend that one. Love in the well, time. Well, I, of I read it about ten years ago, but I still remember it very clearly. Uh, now there's another one uh, of his that is really terrible. It's called The Autumn of the Patriarch, <laughs> and it's supposed to be about the typical Latin American dictator. It's one long paragraph, the entire book. and it's simply, what, Literally? Yes, it's one paragraph, and it's literally unreadable. You read the entire book as one paragraph. Why he experimented with something so weird, I don't know. Maybe someone told him, you know, that that was the way to a Nobel Prize, if you, <laughs> if you, did, you did something that pointless. You know, there's a book by a Frenchman that's entirely one sentence. He set the record. I don't think he got a Nobel Prize for it, but I guess someone told him long sentences are in the fashion, and he wrote a book entirely of one sentence. You're very, you're very dismissive of fashions, aren't you? You don't like the, the fashions of the time, uh, and we've talked about this. Uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez also experiments with uh, what's known as, or literary style, labelled magical realism. So he, he uses magical elements and events in otherwise ordinary and realistic situations. And it actually... If you're not used to it, Jim, it can put you off. Now, there's a Nigerian writer, Ben Okri, uh, who's known for it and does it very, very well. I don't well. think I've read him. He's fantastic. There there's are, there there's are, my recommendation to you. There are people who use magic realism very well. Uh, one book in here I recommend, we'll get to it eventually, mm. is about uh, something that drives everyone blind. And, of course, the, not everyone, just certain people. And others are afraid it's infectious. And it is. And they sent them up into essentially a little camp of the blind. And just like H.G. Wells, you know, he wrote a book entitled Land of the Blind about where you have a person who visits the land of the blind and they decide that his eyesight is hallucinatory. 
and they feel the therapist feels he has to pretend to put out his eyes to cure him of this illness, which he does, and it does cure him. So I'm not dead against magic realism. I'm, I'm dead against it when it takes over, like when someone disappears in a puff of smoke, and there's no reason why they couldn't have been run over by a truck. <laughs> you, 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 you know, it doesn't yeah, yeah. advance the novel at all, except... Yeah. You proved you're a magic realist by having someone disappear in a puff of smoke. I hear what you're saying. Too. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Keep it real. Um, this podcast, looking at some authors of uh, South America, and what I do quite like about the new Torchlight list is when you touch on the modern voices. And I only just discovered Juno Diaz only recently. So yes, he was, that's an he, interesting book. Yes, yeah, so he was born in uh, 1968. He's a Dominican-American writer and a creative writing professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, yeah. and he received the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and this is the one I read, uh, Jim, The Brief, Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about that book. Well, uh, it's very well written, by the way, and by the way, the footnotes are priceless as a description of what was going on, of course, in his home country, you know, the excesses of the dictator. But the book itself is very good, and I particularly like the school that he was sent to in America, which he said was like bearing the outrages of a mob of demented halfwits. You know, the kids bully him all the time. Typically, they greet him with something like, are there really faggots on Mars? Uh, and they persecute him horribly. But the the book, you know, it's really well written, and you recall he goes back to his native land and meets a sticky end. But I thought that the just the prose was excellent, much better than, you know, pages of lamenting how horrible schools are. Mm. It was wonderful the few incidents they picked out of his school career. To... That's the only book I've read of Juno Diaz, that Pulitzer Prize. Did you ever read The General and His Labyrinth by Marquez? No. It's an interesting book about Simon Bolivar, who was the great liberator of Latin America. You know, he liberated most countries. And it's not a great book, but in Bolivar apparently distrusted America. When he talks to one of his people, he says, distrust the United States. They are great and terrible, and they will do much mischief. And you wonder how he knew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got to touch on Mario Vargas Loza. Is that yes. right? Ah, uh, yes. Now, a Peruvian writer, and I haven't read any of uh, Mario's work. He's the recipient of the 2010 Nobel Prize yep. in literature. Any he, good? He's good. I don't think his early novels were, but he later on came into his own. You should particularly read Aunt Julia and the scriptwriter. Marito and his aunt live in Peru, and he goes on the radio to do soap operas, and they used to buy them by the pound from Bolivia. They would actually weigh them and pay by how much the pound the manuscript was. And Pedro is a guy that he meets, and he hates Argentina, and there are a lot of funny incidents in it. In one of his programs, he has women in Argentina who enjoy eating the lice they pick out of their kids' hair, and Argentinians start attacking him on the street. Uh, so it's a very funny novel. Uh, I think you'd very much enjoy it. But another of his novels that you should certainly read is War at the End of the World. War at the End of the World. Yes, it's about a counselor who set up a 19th century sort of religious area. And, of course, the people in the center don't know what to make of him. They suspect he's involved in some strange British plot. But it's really the new Brazil that's industrializing versus the old superstitious, 
you know, agricultural Brazil. And they finally conquer him, and one of them goes in. He has several people who joined him, who gave him military prowess, people who are former outlaws. And one of them they want to track down, and they can't find him. And they say to a woman, what happened to this guy? And she says, archangels took him up to heaven. I saw them. So their questioning of these people doesn't lead to much. And there's another guy called Robert the Devil who fights with him who had been terrible in terms of rapine and murder. But then he repents, and for penance he goes on all fours, barking like a dog and sleeping with animals and begging his victims to torture him. And he eventually married the Queen of Brazil. Hey, now, uh, for those interested in Mexico, um, you've uh, yes. you got, you're going back you're going back a bit to Graham Greene. I don't think I've ever read a Graham Greene novel. Well, Graham Greene... Am I missing out? Oh, definitely. Really? You see, I didn't list Graham Greene in this because he was long dead. But every now and then in this book, I say, in the original Torchlight list, how could I have missed so-and-so? And one of the people I didn't list, even in my original book, was Graham Greene. His novels are wonderful. Are they really? Oh, they're terrific. But if you want to start with a good one, read The Power and the Glory which was about the attempt to suppress the Catholic Church in the Mexican province of Tabasco in the 30s. And uh, the fellow who is on the run, because, of course, if he's caught, he'll be killed, is a whiskey priest. He's not set up as a shining idol. He likes the bottle, but still he is trying to keep the faith alive. And he's finally caught by the revolutionary, and there's this wonderful dialogue mm. between him and the revolutionary, who's ruthless but completely principled and says, how can we make a New Mexico when they're superstitious and ordered around by the bishops and they're in collusion with the landowners and he talks about, but of course, even a, a bishop has a soul to save and even a landowner. And he does execute him, but they respect each other. I mean, he comes to see that the whiskey priest is trying to do something good, and the whiskey priest understands that the revolutionary is really a highly principled man. They're just irreconcilable. All right, that's on my list then. Graham Greene, for the first time in my life, The Power and the Glory. By the way, read Our Man in Havana, too, for a very funny novel. I've heard about that, yes. Now, next episode, the books of uh, the United Kingdom, and you single out... One name, one or two names, who you call perhaps the greatest novelists in a generation. It's a big call. Give us a hint. Well, I would say that the greatest novelist in our generation is Ishiguro. The new Torchlight List with Professor Jim Flynn, scouring the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. With me, Wallace Chapman. The new Torchlight List was produced by Christine Sesford and recorded by Jeremy Veal. And if you enjoyed it, please write us a review or rate us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out and subscribe to any of the other great RNZ podcasts. There are plenty to choose from. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.